0: Magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger,
1: energy healer, energy reader, and inner child healing teacher.
0: And this is a podcast about using magic and energy work as we bravely embrace the full range of the human experience. And this is a special holiday episode where we answer your questions.
1: Yay! Okay. <laughs> here we are. We are here. Before we get to it, I just thought um maybe well first of all, we'll just get this out of the way. Um if you want to ask us a question in the future, we're going to be having more episodes where that's possible and you can either call us at 828-333-7181, 828-333-7181 or you can Find us at MagicMondayPodcast.com and hit ask a question. Um, and you can find us in general at Magic Monday Podcast on, face, on Instagram. Is that what we are? Magic Monday Podcast? Yeah, on Instagram, okay. Magic
0: Monday Podcast. Our website is MagicMondayPodcast.com. Mm. On Facebook, we're Magic Monday Pod. And we also have the Magic Monday Podcast listeners
1: group. That's right. On Facebook. It's not super active, but it's a little active, and we'd love to have you there. Mildly active, join us. Yes, mildly, mildly active, active. That- <laughs> Facebook group. <laughs> How does that sound? I mean, when it is active, it's great. Um. Anyway, so I thought first, do we want to talk about since this holiday edition episode is coming out um, right before New Year's, right? Today, I guess it's coming out on yeah, like the twenty seventh, I believe, is when this is coming out. Okay. So, um, how are you feeling about intentions this year or planning for the new year?
0: Oh good. Well, since Capricorn season started, I feel good. I realize mm. I think Sagittarius season was a little hard for me this year because mm. I felt restless because I have a Sagittarius moon and it's so yeah. it's such an adventurous sign that I, mm. I, I do like I have some fun adventures planned, but they aren't for a while. And this Omicron situation is mm. not lending itself to adventure. But
1: also Cap- there's a big lunar oh. eclipse in or solar eclipse. Wasn't that in Sagittarius? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on for Sagittarius people. A
0: lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe it. Yeah. And but the and then my rising is in Capricorn, and when the sun moved into Capricorn, I did feel like comfort. Like mm. it feels like, oh, <clears throat> like structure and focus, and oh, what do I want to create, and what steps can I take in the physical world. Mm. So. Um, So learning Uh new things, trying new things, trying old things in different ways, like those things feel exciting to me. I don't know if they have to do with the new year. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me they have to do with. Capricorn season and also maybe Venus retrograde, which are you feeling that?
1: Yes, very much so.
0: Me too.
1: It's pretty intense. I remember the last one also felt really intense. I don't I don't remember when that was. It was a while ago. It was, I feel like a year and a half or maybe two years ago. I don't know. I remember it was maybe almost two years ago. But I remember really feeling a lot of restructuring around relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've been getting more into human design again, and oh yeah, do you know there's a part of human design where you can tell if you're a specific manifester or a non-specific manifestor? There's an arrow in your human design chart. So if you're non-specific, that means that you go with your feelings and like, okay, I don't want to get into like, I want a red car with a you know whatever. Uh huh. It's a Corvette, and it's this or whatever. But instead, like, how do I want to feel? And you really want to stay away from getting too specific. Oh, interesting.
0: I know. I mean, does it mean anything that I am in this area? That I'm. I think I was a generating manifester.
1: Yeah, is that I think a thing? You were
0: too. Yes,
1: I believe that's a thing. No, you were a manifesting generator. Oh, manifesting generator. Okay. Yeah. Um that does not well, it can affect, yeah, it all affects like how you want to manifest. But
0: definitely the feeling thing. I mean, I I am big on that. On um, tap into the feeling and don't be too specific.
1: Yeah. But the, it, there's also even more of a like fine-tuning that where it's like you still tap into the feeling but you also want to know like the specifics like I want if you're a specific manifester like there's I want light coming in through the window at this you know uh, where, like sometimes I, yeah like I want <laughs> green tile and I want you know
0: yeah, I think I feel like I used to be more into that when I was younger, because it mm-hmm. was interesting. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what if it how, how, what will happen if I try to manifest this specific thing? Mm-hmm. Or maybe not overly specific, but with some specific pieces? Yeah, seems like even manifesting in general, the older I get, the less interesting it is, like, the more I'm like, I feel like just enjoying life the way it is and creating things and building things and having changes for sure. But it's yeah. just not, I don't know, when I was younger, it felt really important to have like this kind of car or this yeah, kind of yeah. job. And like, as I get older, maybe because also because I am manifesting the major things already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Like the partner and the life yeah. path. And yeah. so that's, once that's manifested, the rest of it is like, oh yeah, that maybe that might be kind of cool, but it's more yeah. like, that I want to experience day-to-day, in-the-moment joy and presence and connection. That feels more important to me now than, yeah. like, stuff,
1: you know? Right, yeah. Well, you hate stuff anyway. Well, also,
0: I hate stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I don't
0: I, hate stuff, but most stuff I hate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate stuff. I don't hate all but stuff. But most Having stuff. just a very small amount of stuff I like. Everything you said sounds very healthy and... um I love stuff, Oh. But, um, yeah. b- and I know that's not um, uh, um. You know, I should be ashamed of that. what? No, see, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I don't talk well, about with
0: manifesting. I, mean, I feel like the- if you want to manifest a mansion, great. Like if that's what what you really want, like your joy feels like it's flowing toward that. I I feel like we should not shame people for wanting specific ideas or
1: conditions. I'm not talking about that. Like and I am like you as far as manifesting goes. Like I am all about just feeling how I want to feel and how and I'm excited to see how that shows up,
0: right? Yeah, like
1: I know, yeah, whatever the feeling is. So maybe you are a non-specific. I'm a non-specific. I get very overwhelmed thinking if I have to think about details of what I like a thing I want. I don't like it, right? Plus,
0: like I do like to be delighted and surprised. Oh yeah, that's fun. You know.
1: Hmm. But um, in the non-good-for-the-earth way, I I do love stuff which is mm. not good for mother earth but I just well i mean
0: there's so that. much secondhand stuff though now too mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that no oh, yeah
0: like, you can have so many clothes that are all secondhand
1: yeah there's ethical ways of accumulating stuff uh-huh <laughs> um but anyway so yeah i guess we're on the same page there with intentions is i'm gonna i think i am gonna make a vision board but I want it to just be of things that make me feel a certain way like I have stickers that I love and I want to put them on there so when I look at it I'm like oh I feel whatever it is that
0: those feelings yeah yeah, that that magnetize more of those feelings yep yeah Um, so, all right,
1: shall we go to our questions we have?
0: Yeah, let's answer those questions.
1: Okie dokie. All right, let me go to the first question. And we apologize that it's taken us so long to get to these, but okay, this is from Amy. Uh, Okay, my question is, I'm having a hard time connecting with my spirit guides. I've been doing lots of research, reading and meditation on the subject, but anytime they're supposed to appear in a guided meditation, my mind goes blank. Is this something that just takes practice or is it possible that I'm blocking myself from having this experience? I'm so excited to meet them. Yet I wonder if I'm psyching myself out and not allowing myself to have the experience for some reason. Any tips you have for connecting would be greatly appreciated. All right, Amy. Um, I said it like I was accusing her of something. If that like is your-, your name. Oh. <laughs> I was like, all right, Amy. <laughs> Um, do you ha- want to say something first? Well,
0: I do, but I feel like I want you to start on this one,
1: okay? If you don't mind, to be honest with you, I wasn't gonna uh tune into Amy, but I did anyway, kind of by accident. I think she's just letting me. I'm just going to say this. Okay. Well, first of all, to anybody listening, what I want to say is like, if you're having a hard time, I would simply, when you're in that state, ask yourself, is there something blocking this right now? And trust your information. Or why am I not seeing something right now? Like, ask yourself. You have the answers. Um, I think part of it is, especially when we're looking to connect to guides, we are putting our power outside of ourselves, not in that... Um, like we think like oh god like they're like these beings that are like have more maybe have more power than us or something like that I connect to my guides all the time um but it's um I'm just saying maybe that could be a stumbling block for some people if they think this is for other people or this is something that that other people can do or they have more power. You know, the guides have power and I'm just like this. But instead, I think maybe reframing it like just knowing you do have the power and you can choose to connect or not. So asking them, um, asking yourself, is there something in the way here that's stopping me from what is in the way here? Why aren't I seeing them? Yeah, Um, I think
0: another thing that can hold people back too, in a similar way is um, thinking there's a right or a wrong. It's like, how is the spirit guide showing up to you in this moment? And that's
1: significant instead of
0: like, is that right? Am I getting that right? You know, it's like that that letting go of that part. That's with intuition in general.
1: Yes, yeah, just letting your imagination go wild. Like, okay, I'm just going to imagine I had a connection. What would that feel like? Oh, yeah, what if? What if I knew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what if I knew? What if the, What if I was having a connection right now? What would that feel like? I will say, though, I do feel an energy in between you and the connection. And for some reason, I'm seeing like a sister energy, hmm. a spirit. And I don't know if that's from a past life, because I'm not, you haven't given me permission to read. So I don't want to go in there, but it just like really popped up pretty clearly. So what I would say is um, just when you're doing that, ask anything in the way of your highest guides, please leave. If there's any um, anything standing in the way of you hearing and seeing your highest possible guides, Thank you for leaving. You appreciate it, and you would like them to go,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, it did kind of look like a energy of just an old. I'm really getting sister from a past life. I believe it's a past life. Um, I and maybe not, but definitely sister energy, and it's not an alive person. Um, and that they um. It's like trying to protect, like, no, 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 you can't get this information kind Mm. of thing. So just say like, thanks, I appreciate it. And um, I ask you to leave now. But definitely, even though I just said all that, don't stress. Like, (laughs) it should be fun. It should be, play. you know, like, um, just try not to stress. It's like, like Tess said, you can't get it right or wrong. I mean, it's not about right or wrong. It's about, oh, what if I connect right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and my last point, uh, thing I want to say about it is, um, I wonder if you've tried writing, like just free writing. Cause that's how I first started connecting to my guides. I was like, okay, guides, what do you want to tell me about this situation? And then I just started writing. Um, so that might be a way to kind of get around any kind of build up from a meditation that's like and now your guides are here and then it's like whoa, whoa, whoa wait are the you know instead just like okay i'm just going to write whatever comes to mind yeah
0: that is a really good intuition tool to write cuz often like when i do that i think oh no I'm not, I'm, there's not going to be anything Like, I'm not going to know. And then I start writing. I'm like, oh, like it's all it was. I did know for some reason. And that sometimes that can be a little hack there with intuition. But I will say, too, for some reason, I keep seeing a bee man. Okay, (laughs) Like a man Mm who is also kind of like a bee, like with bee Hmm. wings. He has a kind of a bee energy that might be one of your guides. I don't know why. He just keeps coming through.
1: That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Say hi to that
0: guy. Because I think, Amy, it seems like you have real green, like, fairy, Mm. Mm. earthy, green, I don't know, like, mossy, foresty, magical Mm. energy, and somehow that's connected to this bee guy.
1: Okay. Just give you a head start there. (laughs) Head start. (laughs) Okay. Our next uh, question is from Ina, and she says... Hello. Thank you for your awesome podcast. I am an empath at the very strong end of the spectrum. In recent years, I've begun getting physically ill when experiencing other people's collective and or personal traumas and stresses. At times, this happens without even consciously hearing about them or their issues. Just being near them is enough. What's the best way you've found to build an energetic boundary to protect oneself from incoming stress that can affect the body? I have not had much success with the sporadic visualization that I do. Much appreciated. So my my suggestion, excuse me, first off is um, just some regular energetic hygiene. I don't know if you're practicing that, but if you are practicing that, it's a really good way to know when your boundary has been violated and um like you'll have a baseline and also it'll be like a stronger baseline so that you can clear it out, what, have, what has gone in there. Yeah. Um I have, I don't know, I mean, I have these three holiday meditations that I have out right now and you may want to try that because I go into protecting your energy in those. But one real, I, what I like to do is imagine when I'm out somewhere that I can, if I'm worried about that, um, just first of all, calling my energy back to me and then imagining that my aura has a gold fence around it. So it's like keeping my energy in, other people's energy out. And then when I'm done, I explode the fence and their energy goes back to them. My energy comes back to me. Um, and yeah, and just calling your energy back to you throughout, just like keep calling your energy back to you. I like to imagine a big sun above my head and seeing the energy going in there and burning off anything that isn't mine and then letting the light flush out what isn't mine. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, well, I want to say I can really relate to this. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I have found that were really the things that really work for me, definitely magical hygiene every day, energetic hygiene, clear your energy, shield your energy and light. Um, I also recommend asking Archangel Michael to clear your aura and to surround you in light. To And you can do that multiple times. I do definitely mm-hmm. do it once a day but then if you ever feel like you need extra, you know, extra support, extra shielding, you can always do it again. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is black tourmaline. When I really have felt, there have been times in the past when I have really been like, "Oh, I just feel people in my energy field. They're just like it's hard for me to separate." Then sleeping with a black tourmaline and keeping a black tourmaline close by is – that's like added medicine for Mm -hmm. those kinds of situations.
1: And I also think that like the more you are in your own – that's why I was saying energetic hygiene. Like the more you're clear about your own space – the less people can get in in the first place. Like people can't get in unless you're allowing them to on some level. So meaning like you either have a picture or a belief that you have to take care of people or like it's mean to not let them in or something like that. So also maybe looking at any kind of um, – Pictures you have around or beliefs you have around responsibility. Like, do you feel like it's your responsibility to take care of other people? Um, Because if you're very clear, like, oh, I own my space. It really is harder for other people uh, to get in. Like, I used to be a sponge going places. Like, my energy was so far out and I also felt very codependent with people and the more I took responsibility for my energy and called it back to me a lot, and also knew, okay, worked on my responsibility stuff, which I still have um it it people can't get in as much, and I can feel right away when I'm like, "Oh, I can feel them coming in, okay, immediately, call my energy back to me and tell my little kid part, so I don't have to be responsible for them. they can take care of them, I'm taking care of you, you know. Yeah, and then and
0: all of that is important, all the stuff we've said already. Yeah. Shielding your energy. And I do also want to mention that it's impossible to be completely unaffected by the uh, oh, like yeah, world no events yeah, or no. people you love who are going through challenges. I mean, it I think that's a kind of a thing you learn the dance of that when mm-hmm. you're an empath where you like sometimes you just have to feel the feeling. Like, oh, this is wow, there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of pain and let me just like not fight that and allow myself to feel that. And then sometimes like Natasha was just alluding to, like you you when you think, Oh, that it's my job to fix it, like that's when you know that the boundary has been breached. It's like feeling the pain of it and breathing through it, feeling sympathy, empathy, compassion, that's one thing. But then feeling like, oh, I have to fix it or like, I can't feel okay, or I can't possibly feel joy as long as these people are suffering, or these animals are suffering, then that's something that, you know, there's going to be suffering. So if you want to be on earth as a human, like maybe there's, you got to learn how to separate that out sometimes, you know?
1: Well, I would say it may not even be a conscious thing that you know, you want to be responsible for them. This may be like a thing where it's like, that I used to just walk in the world, not, you know, taking on everybody's stuff, like yeah. feeling response without. Con- if you had asked me, like, do you feel responsible for that right. person? I'd be like, no, what? Don't feel yeah. silly. But the truth is, I did feel like, oh, a nice person is. Res-. So therefore, even I would feel their energy. So it's, I do agree, like, you're in the world, you're going to feel your feelings, of course. But you don't have to feel everybody's feelings, other people's feelings, you know, and uh, you do feel collective trauma, of course, like there's a lot of stuff going on with COVID and everything, like you can't, kind of can't help. Uh, That's, that's something to be cleared out and, you know, give sympathy for. But yeah, it's not, you don't have to walk in a room and process people's feelings. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so I guess that would be kind of what we're pointing to here is like, bringing some consciousness to your beliefs about that. You know, like, is it, am I feeling collective grief because it's just there and I'm a human being and I feel compassion or do I really think I need to fix everybody's problems before I can feel okay? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And do I feel responsible for people when it's not really my job to be responsible? Or animals too. That's a thing I've had in the past. I still have
0: that. You too. (laughs) Definitely, I still I do have that. sometimes still have it that yeah. too, but I used to have it to a crippling degree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of do if I think about it too much. Yeah, so I just don't think about it too much. <laughs> I do yeah. what I can, and then I don't think about it. Um, that's why we have ten cats and three dogs. Okay, moving on. So now this question is from Nicole, uh, who we love. That is. Uh, Hi, Nicole. Yeah. Hi, Nicole. Okay. Do you have any suggestions for dealing with a setback while on a manifesting journey? For instance... You're feeling some expansion and growth in an area. You feel excited at this new energy and abundance coming in. It feels very aligned and you want more of it. But then that wave crashes and recedes and you feel a bit heartbroken, drained, and disappointed. You feel powerless, like maybe it was just a chance and not your manifestation powers that made things work out before. And now the tide has turned and the odds are no longer in your favor. Thanks, Tess and Natasha, for your insights. Much love. So I actually had email Nicole back. Because um, there's this um, commute, I don't know what you call it, I guess it's a a group called To Be Magnetic, where they are focused on manifestation, and I really love it, Um, and it really goes in line with what she's saying here, but also they talk about this in lots of other places, too, about, I think it's, uh, I forget the name of the book, you'll probably remember, but when you hit, like, they call it the, um, oh, shit the The thing where you expand and then...
0: The upper limit
1: problem? Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. The upper yeah, limit that's problem.
0: from uh, Gay Hendricks and the book is called The Big the Leap. The Big Leap, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um, But also in To Be Magnetic, they talk about this in a way that I feel very empowering, which is basically you're co-creating with the universe. Let's say she's talking about a specific manifestation, so you're co-creating with the universe and the universe wants you to be your most expansive self. Like, you're here to be your most expansive self. And so it will f- basically throw things your way. They put it as tests, which at first I didn't love the way they put it. But now I actually do find it empowering. Like, little tests of... And I don't... Okay. Like, um, uh, let's say you... um. I don't know, uh, want to, what do you want? I, why can't I think of anything? We'll talk about like (laughs) me with my book deal. Okay. Like I want a book deal. And so before that, maybe there are tests. I actually didn't get that tested with that one, but there may be tests about self-worth, like, okay, as I expand more, well, since I did have that, then I'm like expanding more. And then all of a sudden I'll feel tested about my self-worth. I'll feel like, oh, really bad. Like, let's say I'll look at, um, I don't know. Um like I'll look at Instagram and nobody is seems to want my posts. This isn't actually a thing anymore because I've healed my Instagram stuff, but let's just use that as an example because I can't think of something else right now. So like, oh, nobody wants to interact with me. Well, that means that nobody wants to hear from me and, you know, I'm I feel unworthy and I might as well give up. So all this stuff comes up because the thing that I want to manifest is requires me to have a lot of self worth requires me to be in the world with a lot of with no like, the bigger, um, the more I expand, the more I'm going to be interacting with more people. And so if I don't have a real solid base of self worth, then I'm going to be triggered all the time. And I'm just going to feel terrible. And
0: maybe that's what you, what your higher self really wants anyway. Like that's the thing about manifesting to me is is that expansion. Like that's that's why I'm like, if you want a mansion or you want a Corvette or, you know, don't judge it because there's something else. I think, I think it's always some kind of way your soul wants to expand that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to judge the item, but it is maybe not the item. Right. Well,
1: underneath that is of that expansion is a core essence that you want to have in the world. Like, let's say yes. for my book, it's expression. It's yeah. um or feeling like I can create what I want in the world because like. Specifically, in my life with my mom, she literally would tell me I couldn't do things all the time. So I have a thing now where my core essence is, no, I I accomplish things. Like, I'm an accomplished person. That's how I want to feel in the world. Yeah. So then the universe may throw me tests of, like, well, actually, guess what? No, you can't. But it's really just a test for me to grow that self-worth so I can feel I can integrate my inner child, you know, and say like, no, I deserve to be here in the world and heal that. So this is a very long way of saying that those crashes are really just the universe co-creating with you to say like, okay, look what's coming up with this crash, with this, as she said, heartbreak. Let look at that heartbreak. Heal that love yourself for that heartbreak. Heal that heartbreak. Talk to your inner child around that heartbreak. What is she what is she feeling? And then by healing that, you are expanding more, which the universe wants you to do. It it wants your best. It wants you to have those core essences out in the world. So it is actually this test thing has made me feel more positive because to me it's a sign like, oh, I am it's working like actually even I feel like shit I feel like my self-worth is like nothing people don't want me but that actually is just happening so I can heal it because that shows me where I'm out of alignment with the thing I'm trying to manifest and it's a good sign if I'm not getting tested that means like I'm actually not working on expanding
0: All right. yeah and I think like this kind of situation is kind of observing the dynamics of it is maybe part of why I'm not so fixated on manifesting specific things as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I have seen too, like, like I can think of a number of times when I was just like, oh, this is what I want. And this is going to be so great. And, uh, and then like, I don't get that thing. But then in retrospect, I'm like, that I didn't really even want the thing. Like, if I had gotten that thing, then I wouldn't have gotten this other thing that I wanted more. And the whole process of moving toward it, thinking I wanted it, trying to build it actually brought me really great stuff in the meantime. Like, it's this whole dance where I think sometimes we get attached. I mean, I know we do this psychologically, we get attached to the outcome. Like what happened at the end of the movie? Mm-hmm. Was it a happy ending? And it's like, but the whole day, it's really so much about the journey instead of the outcome. And yeah. over time, you do. It's just like it. That's just so such an oversimplification of I wanted this thing and then I got it. Where it's like. You see all the different threads and all the different contributions and all the different things you learn in the the people you met and the ways that you deepened your perspective. So like the actual thing is so often, if not always, the point. Not to shame you. I mean, I think like when they think about manifesting a relationship with someone like a healthy, loving, supportive relationship... I mean, that there are so many benefits of that that aren't just the relationship, but, I mean, that – I can see how that would be about more than just the journey of expansion, you know? It's like you, those are – that's the thing you want in your life because you're a human being and we want love and well, connection,
1: so. Well, yeah, but then that would come back to your core – um, essences of what it is that you want to create in the world connection love right
0: like and it also comes, even that, that it's like that's not the end
1: it's like this is an ongoing right. experience of being in a relationship and and continuing that love and connection and growing and how does yeah. it feel to be with somebody yeah all the things whatever we want should never be shamed because they're always a reflection of some kind of Thing that your soul wants to express like even mm-hmm. like for a while like with me because I do like things I like beauty and then it would help me feel better about because <laughs> at first I was like am I just superficial but like my Libra moon is all about beauty and and um, you know expression through the aesthetic mm-hmm. and like so that's really when I connect, like, when I find, like, a shirt I really like or something, it it makes me feel more alive and more mm-hmm. me. And that's why I love it. So connecting to an expression, and that's one of my core things is expressing, um, yeah, and connection. So, yeah, I hope that helped that answer. Um, Okay, so our next question is for you, Tess, from Laura. She says... Uh, I love the podcast and really enjoyed practical magic on the health and family area in the Bagua. I followed the Instagram post and Tessa's blog to draw my Bagua on my home, which was a lot of fun. But now I'm wondering what to do with it. Do you mind doing a quick walkthrough? of each area and what things we can do to increase the feng shui or manifest in each area. I'd also love to learn more about feng shui and think an entire episode would be super interesting or any book reference is appreciated. Thanks for everything you do.
0: Okay, so this is a very—I mean—the Bagua. I can tell you. I will. I'll go through each of the nine areas.
1: Specific. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and
0: it is really complex. And it—not—I don't want to say it's complex in a way where you can't access it immediately, but just that I could talk about it for hours. (laughs) We could go very deeply into it. Um, But I will say that I highly recommend if you want to learn how to some immediate practical applications. I highly recommend The Western Guide to Feng Shui by Tara Catherine Collins and also The Western Guide to Feng Shui Room by Room. That's actually Mm. my Feng Shui teacher when I went to Feng Shui school was Tara Catherine Collins. So I'll put those books in the show notes. Um, But so this is, in case you our listener who doesn't know, the bagua is, it's like a tic-tac-toe board of nine life areas that appear in your home in feng shui. So I'm going to talk about, if you want to find out where they are, you can go to tesswhitehurst.com and in the search bar, put on put in how to draw your bagua. And I have really specific instructions for how to do that, even if your home is not a perfect square or rectangle. Mm. So you'll be able to do that. I also actually have a do-it-yourself feng shui series on Tess So, And that's part of it, the how to draw your bagua. So you can work your way through that slowly and get a real good idea of the bagua areas, how to activate them, and just really generally how to begin doing your feng shui yourself. I wanted to go into detail, but you can take them one at a time. And it does go pretty in-depth. Mm. so, um, just to do a run through quick run through of the nine life areas, the center I'll just talk about the center first. that's where all the other areas merge and mix. It's kind of like groundedness, it's feeling uh like all the parts of your life are interconnected, and so, and there's also a cross Bagwa that's part of oh and and you know my book, the Art of Bliss is all about the bagua so if you want to ah. go deep into that. But um, the, the, it, it's a kind of, they interact, all the areas interact with each other. So I'm going to talk about the two that interact. It's like across, the, the, the one area that's directly across from the other one is complementary to it. So I'm not, that's the order I'm going to go in is I'm going to talk about the pairs. Okay. So first I talked about health and family. And that's directly across from children and creativity. Mm -hmm. So health and family is about community. It's about your physical health. And it's about feeling resilient. Mm. And it is aligned with the colors green and blue and forests, plants, trees. Children and creativity is directly across from it. It's about your – it's about playfulness, feeling childlike, feeling joyful, it's like about whimsy and it's also about your relationship to your children and your relationship to your inner children. So the colors are white and metallic and yeah. pastel mm-hmm. and the um, images that go with that are like In the I Ching, it's aligned with joyous lake. So I think of like dragonflies and frogs and unicorns, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whimsical sort of forest creatures. Mm -hmm. Then there's um, fame and reputation, which is directly across from career. Fame and reputation is aligned with the fire element Mm -hmm. and career is aligned with the water element, deep water These are complementary because fame is how you express yourself in the world and career is how you are deeply aligned with your inner truth and joy, Hmm. like that flow of who you really are, what nourishes you. Hmm. So if fame and reputation is activated, but career is not, then you can get burned out or you could be famous for stuff you don't really care about. And then if career is activated, but fame and reputation is not, you can feel very isolated and start to feel depressed because you're not expressing your gifts or sharing Mm. them with the world. Mm. But they are important. All these these pairs really help balance each other. Then there is um, prosperity, wealth and prosperity that's directly across from helpful people and travel. So wealth and prosperity – is uh, like it's a gentle wind. That's the I Ching alignment. It's a gentle wind flowing through your life. It's like you can think of wind chimes or um, like a windmill, sort Mm -hmm. of taking that invisible flow, that gentle invisible flow, and translating it into something beautiful or something helpful. Mm -hmm. You can also kind of think of like palm trees swaying and feeling like nourished by – by the earth, by by the wind. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know, having a prosperous flow, all kinds of resources. And then helpful people in travel is um, creative heaven. It's the part of the Bhagwa that is aligned with all forms of help, in the seen and unseen worlds. Mm. Angels, I really think of angels when I think of helpful people in travel. It's that invisible heavenly realm of orchestration, creating connections, being in the right place at the right time. So you can see how that nourishes wealth and prosperity Mm -hmm. and also how wealth and prosperity nourishes that because it's also about being a helpful person. It's about allowing help. It's about offering help. And all of those nourish Wealth and prosperity. And then the other two are love and marriage and knowledge and self-cultivation. Mm-hmm. So love and marriage, receptivity. It's a receptive earth in the I Ching. Mm-hmm. And that's being open to romance your heart, being open. It's being central, allowing yourself to feel your feelings to be in your body. And those all have to do with attracting and maintaining healthy and harmonious romance. And then across from that is uh, knowledge and self-cultivation, which has to do with all forms of self-help and self-improvement, exercise, meditation, and study. And I feel like we intuitively know that connection with love and marriage because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like that feeling of like, oh, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to learn and I'm going to, it's like that you can feel how that's connected with being like, okay, now I feel like I'm taking care of myself. I love and approve of myself. I'm doing things that are helping nourish me and helping me evolve. Now I feel like I really want to connect with someone else and open up to someone else and share that with someone else. And then also vice versa, like the uh, having a healthy relationship can also help you take care of yourself and support the things that you want to learn or the ways you want to grow or the ways you want to evolve. Mm-hmm. So that's a very brief overview of the
1: nine life areas of the Bagwa. Is that, did she ask, you know what, I went away from that question, but do you have that question? I wonder, was she asking like what to put in there or... Yeah,
0: seeing how that makes it a much longer answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so la- okay. I could go I could go through real quick. So well, um, helpful people. Oh, what?
1: Well. I don't know. Well, okay. I could do a quick walkthrough of each and what things we can do to increase the feng shui or manifest in each area. Yeah,
0: well, okay. So first of all, clear your clutter. Mm. A- adding little, um, you know, enhancements if you're not clearing your clutter is really just such a Band-Aid cure. Um, but... There are certain colors and textures and materials that – and images that go well in each area. And if you want to go in deep, I recommend looking at my do-it-yourself feng shui series and or reading one of the books I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But I know I did start out by talking about these – Career area, water, watery, dark colors, and um, like dark blue, black, Mm -hmm. and also mirrors, pictures of the ocean, Mm. water features, and then fame and reputation, reds, oranges, radial shapes, um, lights, candles, Mm -hmm. uh, pictures of people, pictures of animals, animal uh, prints, or animal materials. Second okay. I hope. Mm-hmm. Health and oh, I already said health and family is plants, trees, greens, blues, mm-hmm. stripes, wood, stuff like that. And then children and creativity. Oh, I did say pastel, white, yeah. metallic, and then images, whimsical images. Mm-hmm. And in uh, wealth and prosperity, greens, blues, reds, also maybe metallic, gold and purple. And anything that feels abundant to you, like an orchard and fruit or like a a bowl of fruit or um, like a lush forest landscape or a beautiful vacation or like a sparkly ocean, something that feel and and things that feel luxurious. Hmm. Helpful people and travel, pictures of angels, pictures of the sky,
1: Hmm.
0: whites, grays, and metallic materials, also crystals.
1: So, where are you in the Bagua in your office?
0: I'm in knowledge and self cultivation oh, in my okay. house. So, knowledge and self cultivation, it's a, um, the image in the I Ching is a mountain. You could do mm. pictures of mountains. You could do plants. Mm. You can do like sparkly moving things like mobiles or crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real kind of nature y. Like, think of a spa when you mm-hmm. think of knowledge and self-cultivation. And then um, romance, reds, pinks, whites, creams, and pictures of happy couples or pairs of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. are we? Do we have more? Is that we, all yeah. of it? Did I do it? I think I did
0: I it. Oh, and the center it. is kind of just like you just want to have it open if you can, like just not overly cluttered. It's also aligned with just earth, so if you do get to choose colors for that area, like tan, beige, yellow, earthy kind of neutrals. Okay.
1: All right. But it sounds like your class or whatever you have on there is a good place if you want to go deeper. Yeah.
0: You could go to
1: com and put in DIY Feng Shui series. Okay. All right, so we have two more questions. The next one is from uh, Beth, and it actually, I'm realizing, is kind of similar to the uh, the one about boundaries, but I'm going to still read uh, part of it. And okay, so she says, I'm an empath who also has CPTSD. Um, I've been in therapy for 10 years and have come a long way in my healing after a recent weekend of solitude. I came upon the realization that my trauma may have caused me to deal with my innate empathy in an unhealthy way. Through my recovery, I believe I've trans, I have transformed the compassion I once felt for others into paranoia and stress when someone around me is unhappy or vulnerable. Through my recovery, I believe I have transformed compassion into stress. Okay, i become irritable and impatient I spent so much of my life taking care of others that as I heal I've become incredibly possessive oh I see of my emotional energy Mm -hmm. so okay Um, a phrase I commonly say these days is is it too much to ask that the adults around me handle their shit without needing me to bail them out (laughs) it's not a fun feeling and I end up feeling really bad for not being there for people but being there for people has been dangerous for me in the past i'd like to return i'd like to work on returning to a balance of compassion and keeping boundaries such that i can retain control of where my feelings go but i can be more accommodating of others needs in a healthy way i hope this makes sense if you have any tips meditations advice books i should read i'd be so grateful so yeah um it sounds like It's kind of like, it's what we talked about before about feeling responsible for people. And what I'm hearing here, if this is right, is that you are taking more ownership of your space and you're realizing I have a right to this. But what I believe is happening is there's still a picture in there, a feeling in there that you're responsible, but now you're mad about it instead of just like going and giving up your autonomy and helping it's like god damn it now i have yeah. <laughs> to help these people <laughs> like why do i fucking have to help everybody but the 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 problem is that underneath it is still a belief even though you're mad about it that you are responsible for people so if you can understand like you know what if if you really are surrounded by a bunch of adults who aren't handling their shit that's still not your responsibility and maybe it can be frustrated, frustrating to observe. But if you truly knew innately that this is not my stuff, you would either maybe find it amusing or like, uh, that's annoying, but that's, you know, I'm, I don't have to deal with it. It's not my stuff. um, Because you shouldn't be handling adults stuff. You, the, you, they may need to bail you out but if you have no responsibility pictures if you if you really know it's not your job then you can set boundaries there and without any charge it would just be like oh yeah i'm really sorry you're going through that again um i can't i wish you know i can't help you i i'm not um i'm not going to help you <laughs> not even i'm sorry but just like that's not You don't have to explain it to them at all, but internally you can know like, yeah, that's not my responsibility. That's too bad that's happening, but that's not my responsibility. Um, The more that you can come to that place of not feeling responsible, the more you will feel just that compassion. Like, oh, that's so sad. They're going through that. It's not my job whatsoever to help them. Um, So I would recommend Codependent No More would Mm -hmm. be a great book. Um, Really also there's a... I love even more than codependent. Well, after you read codependent no more, they, she has like a daily journal thing, I think with daily, um, like just, it just re helps reinforce, like she'll give examples every day of something where she's letting go of responsibility for people or not having to take care of them. And, um, because it does sound like you've kind of swung to the other end of the spectrum in terms of taking care of people. Um, and, when you get to the middle end of it when you know when you are better able to discern what's yours and what isn't yours it won't feel so charged with like um just like feeling like it's up to you to do it because it isn't up to you even if people are telling you well and I think
0: what makes it tricky is that we do support the people we love. I mean, in many ways, you know, we listen to them. We offer advice when it's appropriate. It's just when we are codependent, which Mm -hmm. I was raised to be codependent with both my parents, then we don't see like, oh, now I can see how much, I was crossing boundaries with trying to fix, like my mom, for example, Mm -hmm. like buying her books, getting her healings, you know, like Mm -hmm. just that It it, even as an adult. And um, Mm -hmm. that was not healthy. But it doesn't mean that when you love someone, you don't ever support them at all. It's just you have to kind of learn how to parse it out when you don't aren't raised with those boundaries. And I keep thinking about too, how, when I was an adolescent, I had a therapist who helped me to see how I just took on all the pain of both my parents. And I felt like it was my job to fix them. And I even felt like that made me important and that that was Mm -hmm. my identity. And like, Mm -hmm. he helped me to not see that. But I'm, while you were reading the question, Natasha, I was thinking, about how when I expressed the new my new understanding of, oh, I get to have my own <laughs> life and my own feelings and like yeah. I don't have to take on all your shit. Yeah.
1: That did not happy. go over no. well. No. No. <laughs> no. The people who they they do not The people who have been crossing your boundaries have no investment in you setting them.
0: (laughs) Right. So that, I think that's something to be aware of also is that if you still are, because it it took me until I was 35, even though I I had that therapist when I was, you Mm -hmm. know, 12, 13, 14. Um, Once I was 35, I was like, oh, I am still trying to fix my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I still feel responsible. Mm -hmm. And like, even though I had that realization at the time, because it wasn't, I wasn't able to still have her, I needed to have a relationship with my mom and I wasn't able to have a healthy one while I was living with her. So it took me a while to figure that out, but it didn't, it's like, I was so, it was so natural to me to fall into that pattern when i knew that's what she expected from me. Yes. That that is something i needed to really look at and heal uh-huh. and fix was like how do i really get out of her expectation of how i am supposed to act toward her?
1: And not just expected from you or i'll just speak for myself with my mom required. Uh, required for lo- <laughs> yeah. like it was like or or i was out Like if Uh I set those boundaries. And so, yeah, for, I mean, I still have things that come up where I feel um, guilty about Mm -hmm. setting a boundary because it's still in, it was drilled into me. Mm -hmm. And if I felt on top of it that like I really should be, then it would make me angry if people kept asking me for things and I wasn't setting boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. but it really is about you know, it's a process and I, it's not, um, a clean one. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's just like all areas of growth a spiral and, you know, just do, be loving and patient with yourself around it because it's very hard to feel compassionate for somebody when you also feel, um, put out by them and like, mm-hmm. it's your job and you have to take care of them when they're, when they are requiring it of you they're not gonna yeah. see it like and
0: that that is a tricky thing about codependency is how you don't you're taught or you learn not to see the difference between you and the other person so then if you easily fall into like oh they think i should do this and they have this expectation of me, and mm-hmm. i maybe i can't even be in their life unless i do this thing yeah. like that is that's such a piece where you have to kind of and it is it can be so messy yeah uncomfortable just, yeah
1: inner child work I have found parts work to be so helpful with this so that you can talk to the part of you that's understandably angry like fuck these people why do I have to take care of them like that part really needs your love and attention and compassion that compassion I believe when you can have compassion for that part of yourself that's angry like like really it at them at that part you're gonna feel probably more compassion for the other people naturally because that's gonna let up the responsibility stuff it's layered it's layered Mm -hmm. and good luck with all of that we feel for you for sure okay next up we have a call
2: I'm just gonna Hi ladies. Um, uh, first, I want to thank you so much for your podcast. Uh, I listen to it all the time and I always just feel like I'm sitting with my girlfriends and I'm laughing about stuff and um just i feel I feel like I'm with my best butt so that's why I've decided I need to give you guys a call and see if maybe you guys could give me some advice um i I have a six and a half year old daughter and I raised her um in a pagan lifestyle. So my my question is her Christian friend apparently had lost something and prayed to Saint Anthony and found it almost immediately. And my daughter got very excited about this and um asked her Christian friend, Catholic friend mom, um, what it was all about and she got a good explanation and she was included in on some prayer and My daughter came home and told us about this, and I was really upset, pretty shaken by the whole thing, Um, just feeling like a boundary had been crossed. However, this is my daughter's best friend, and my daughter's best friend's mother and I got along really well. I don't know how to approach this. I don't know um, what kind of information or advice. Her, the next time this kind of situation comes up with my daughter, I'm open to my daughter understanding other religions, but I am not very keen on my daughter being included in things like prayer um, or Catholicism type stuff, mainly due to the fact that I believe that it confuses her um, and also. I want my daughter to grow up with an open mind and choose what feels right to her later down the road where I have, you know, these icky feelings that Christianity was forced on me. And I, I, I know I may sound hypocritical when I'm saying that stuff. So I'm, I'm sorry if this is really wordy. I'm really struggling with this. So if anybody could give me some advice, I would really appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much again for everything you do. I hope that you both and your families have a blessed, blessed new year.
0: Well, thank you for that question.
1: Yes, thank you for the call. Do you want me to start?
0: Yeah, you start. Okay.
1: Um. So, what? Like, in some ways, this is to me a very simple answer, in the sense that what I feel—this is my opinion is it could be very simple. Just it's clear you don't want her to be involved in prayer. And you can just say to your friend, like, hey, um, you know, I, however you want to put it, just I'm not comfortable with my daughter praying. So if you wouldn't mind not doing that around her, I would really appreciate that um and just setting that boundary you know in a lot of ways it, it feels very simple to me um and then on the other hand what i want to say is um to me objectively it doesn't seem like a big deal that um what happened like they, it sounds like they were respectful like she asked about it and they were like oh yeah this is what we do would you like to know about this and um you know it wasn't like trying to convert her or you know trying to force their views they were just like as you said you wanted her to have an open mind about religion be exposed to religions and this seems like an actually very organic way for that to have happened she was exposed to this version of Christianity. And, um, but what I would say about any event, and in this case, this event, when you feel shaken by something, usually that is an indication that there's some kind of trauma underneath it or some kind of, you know, there's a trigger going on underneath that. And, um, I don't want to dismiss your feelings or, you know, but I would say just like with anything, if I'm feeling shaken by something, it's like, oh, okay, what, what's going on here that is hitting this wound? What's happening? And you yourself said that you were, Christianity was forced on you. So it sounds like there might be some religious trauma happening, which is a very real and, and serious thing. I, I mean, my husband has that from his upbringing and, um, you know just sometimes being we we have been to a church before and he'll just start crying just hearing at him because it's bringing up old stuff you know for him um so what I think would be helpful for you would be to look at that and see like what's coming up for me here like talk to your inner child or talk to the you know journal about it what what came up for me what what does this experience bring when was the first time I had this feeling of the shaken feeling where's that coming from what's the source and um really looking to yourself to or you know getting help with it too if you want um as far as really healing what that wound is about because again to me it doesn't seem empirically like the person did anything wrong like um in a boundary way it seems like they were respectful but again you have every right to say like oh I don't want my daughter to be a part of that and, you know, just saying that very clearly, like, you know, I, that's just not something I want her around. But you also did say, like I said, <clears throat> you also did say that you want her to have other religions. So it, se- it does seem like a bit of a contradiction there. And I think that contradiction is because it's getting confused with your past hurt about this, which is very valid and real and looks like to me it could use some healing and exploration for you. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah,
0: that all makes sense to me. I I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I actually really like the Catholic saints, many of them. Mm-hmm. And that I find personally um, a lot of stuff like that, like calling on St. Anthony, which I have done to find lost objects, hmm. to be a very magical practice. There's yeah. a lot of magic in it. And so um, – So that could be a way that you talk to your daughter about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, having been raised Christian, I was, I don't know if you were raised Catholic. It sounds like maybe you were since this particular thing triggered you. Uh, My parents were Catholic. My grandma, my grandparents were Catholic. My parents were Catholic when they were little. But then when I was raised, my dad still was, but he didn't take us to church except when we were really little, and then my mom took us to me and my brother to Baptist to a Baptist church, and that was traumatizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was felt very afraid. I wrote a blog post about it. Felt mm-hmm. afraid of being possessed, and um, felt afraid of hell, and it felt scary. And I also think there's there are a lot of sexist aspects to Christianity, mm-hmm. so I understand that. I but the way that I have processed um, my relationship with religion is that now I like to be inclusive like I like to feel empowered by like oh I really I love the saints I don't have to believe all the things Mm -hmm. but I can have a connection with the saints in that way and then if I feel connected to another aspect of religion like that's a way that people have interpreted their interconnection with spirit because for me that was part of The confusion, I think, maybe of growing up Christian was that I did feel I mean, I am a very spiritual person and I did feel some connection to the idea of spirituality. Um, But, and so, so as an adult, the way that I have, I like to have a relationship with spirituality is to not feel. Ever like it, it's restricting me or I'm mm. restricted. Like I like mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, I'm going to bring that in too. I mean, if it inspires me, then I can yes. bring that in too. And I don't have to feel limited. I feel like that was part of the trauma of growing up with mm, Christianity yeah. was that limitation, like we're right and everyone else is wrong. Mm. So now I like for it to be like, oh, there's that. And that feels like it helps connect me to the infinite and that. And then mm. that helps me find missing objects. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's just another thing to think about maybe while you're looking at wow, that, that trauma, that hurts. that mm-hmm. There's something there for me with my religious upbringing. Like, I wonder if that might also be empowering for you to think of yeah. like, oh, what if I could – I mean, maybe saints aren't going to be your thing, but what if yeah. they didn't intimidate you? See, that to me, that's a big thing is I really don't ever want to feel that spiritual intimidation ever mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So for me – like I like I was saying to Natasha, like, I want to make religion my bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. I mean, not in a, like a way where religion is something. Well, it is because spirituality feels inclusive and open. And then yes. the word religion feels limiting. Yeah. So if I can open up that whole category to spirituality, something that doesn't ever make me feel afraid or limited, yeah. then I feel empowered. I feel safe.
1: Yeah. So it's and just it,
0: another thing to think about.
1: Yeah, because I was gonna say if it was forced on you, then, then it is. I can see the reaction of feeling like I don't want my daughter. I don't want that on her. I don't want that yeah. you know. And um, that makes a lot of sense why you would feel right. extra extra protective of her. But I would say that that part that is being feeling really protective is. Maybe a part that is trying to protect you from being hurt again by religion because your daughter is, you know, open and like, what's this? What's this? Oh, this is cool. That's cool. What's that? You know, and but you have a lot of pain around that. So I think it's like a protector part inside you that is wanting to protect little you from ever getting hurt like that again. And if you're talking to that part of yourself with love and compassion, then maybe you'll feel um, more clear about about next steps in general. Yeah, and
0: I do think ultimately if you can feel, have that openness with your daughter around it, then she will also not be raised with any kind of fear, right, of less course, fear yeah. around the whole topic when it's like, oh, that's how they do it. That's how they find missing things. You could, if that works for you and you liked to do it, you could do it too or you can do this spell that I taught you or whatever. You yeah. know, that to me, that all feels like that's the relationship I feel like is, that is a healthy relationship with spirituality it's never scary yeah. never has to be scary yeah it reminds
1: don't... me of um i mean <sighs> my mom was raised orthodox jewish and i mean they all are jewish but i don't like the fact that i didn't know that like there was no religion in jewish religion in my home but at she i was raised christian and um later that was confusing but at the it was christian but in a very open way so it was like if you want to do it do it like she's like if you don't want to go to sunday school don't go and like there was one time when i think i've told the story before where my sunday school teacher got real (laughs) ominous with angel talk she was like and then i was walking on the street and i i crushed uh so i felt something crushed under my foot and it was a cross and I realized that angels were everywhere and I was like oh my god and then I got really (laughs) scared of angels (laughs) and I was like alone in my room and I was like mom I'm scared of me alone she just like didn't want to hang out with me my mom I think she was like ironing or something and didn't want to come upstairs so she was like I was like, you have to come here. I'm scared to be alone. She's like, why? And I I was like, because she told me angels are everywhere. And my mom was like, oh, angels are not everywhere. If you keep thinking things like this, you can't go to church anymore. (laughs) Such a Jewish what, Jewish. It's <laughs> a
0: really different, yeah, different yeah. experience of being raised Christian.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was in some ways it was just like everything was open. She just didn't care. So I do have that naturally just like, oh, what's this? Well, okay, fine. I guess it, angels aren't everywhere. Like some people say that and then some people don't. And, you know, but when you have trauma behind it, it's very hard to have a – uh you know, untriggered response to all of it, so the more you can soothe that, the better.
0: you know what? I was thinking when you were saying that about your mom, how my mom, this is f- interesting to know hmm. to note my career choice, but hmm. she <laughs> was no. always like like everything opened you up to being possessed. It was like oh, crystals yeah. like when I one time I heard about meditation, it was like someone mentioned it on a TV show and it was uh-huh. like oh what med- what is meditation oh that opens you up to being possessed i mean uh, it was like everything
1: wow. so you
0: think that's why now i'm like no nope, uh, nothing freaks me out Mm-mm. Oh, cuz
1: it's like a defense against
0: that <laughs> well yeah. no i mean i i feel i don't think it is i think oh. it's actually me being like no I'm not I'm not gonna be afraid of meditating. Like mm-hmm. I thought that that I am more powerful than that. That is not yeah. something well, you that I have to be afraid of.
2: And that's yeah, the truth. it's not
0: I don't I I mean, at some points it may have been a defense mechanism, but now I feel like it's very healthy.
1: Yeah. I mean it can maybe be both. I don't know. But the yeah, I have never that is I am grateful for in some ways that open mind around that. Because for a while I was chanting, like the Buddhist chanting Namyo Renge and I remember I went to a boyfriend's house once whose mother was really Christian. And I was like, I'm going to go chant. And she was like, as long as you're not bringing in any, like, I forget how she put it. She didn't put, say, demons, but it was something like that. As long as you're not bringing any evil yeah. spirits. That's that what it was. And like I was like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> not <that I> know. <laughs> yeah, don't think so. <laughs> Bye. (laughs) All right. Well, that was our last question. We hope it was helpful. We hope you all have a wonderful new year. And we will see you not next week, but the week after.
0: Sending love, everybody. Goodbye. some reason i keep seeing a bee man (laughs) like a man who's also kind of like a bee